It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. It's time to get outside. This is KSL Outdoors, brought to you by Trax Power Sports. Two hours of stories and information on hunting, fishing, and high adventure. Our host is Tim Hughes on KSL News Radio. Welcome back, hour number two of the program, and it's great to have you with us again here on uh, KSL Outdoors Radio. Tim and Russ in studio. Navi is well on his way to the Middle Fork of the Salmon. And one of the themes of the show today is getting away to some cooler mm, air. Yeah. That's something Bob and Mark are going to concentrate on. I think uh, Mark actually has uh, taken a couple of trips above 9,000 feet in the last week. Mm. So they wanted to share some ideas in that regard. So we'll look forward to that coming up. Davy Ratchford from uh, Snow Basin will also check in. There's a nice way to cool off. And we're hoping we can still get in contact with Roger Eggett from uh, Bear River Lodge as we always do, sponsors of this program. But in the meantime, let's uh, – oh, don't do this to me. Where are you? I thought I had uh, audio here or no? Oh, there it is. Got to get the uh, right mood music for this conversation. Tanya Kiefer Selby is back with us. When I saw this press release, and I, for, I don't, don't think I told you, Russ, what no. we're talking about here mm. – Hummingbirds, you know how small and flit, flittery they are, tiny. Yeah. Hard to even catch on camera, let alone get a hold of them somehow. But banding hummingbirds. Tanya, that's got to be a process. You know, it's a lot easier than you think, Tim. We we train these little guys to be used to sitting on these hummingbird feeders. And then you take the tiniest little net and it's just like a little drop, right? Mm. You you sit back, you release it, and it just kind of closes over them like a little house. Uh, it's very simple, actually. <laughs> I, well, I know lots of people, and we had one in our backyard for a little while that have these little feeders, yeah. and you put the little red, you know, fluid in there, yeah. and, it's, and pretty soon the bears come. <laughs> and oh, no. Tear it all down. And everything else yeah. that uh, comes along with it. But we always felt so successful when we uh, yeah. finally got some that knew they could come by and get a little treat once in a while. It's a favorite pastime, and they are cute little yeah, guys. They are. There are uh, they are very cute, Tim, and one of the most charismatic of the pollinator species that we have. Right? You know, you think of bees and, and and butterflies and flies maybe as a pollinator, but these guys are pollinators. They're super crucial yeah. to our environment, and they're so much fun to watch. In Utah, we're lucky enough to have just about five different species. You could have some random vagrants, but usually about the five. And we're going to offer an, offer an opportunity for the public to come and hold them in hand and see them up close and personal at our banding event up near Red Canyon Lodge. And it is at a higher elevation, so I will say that it has been cooler up there. Last week, it was 58 degrees when I got up there in the morning, and it was wonderful. So oh. if you're looking to escape the heat and get a real hands-on upcoming experience with wildlife this is definitely the place to be all right now you mentioned there's five species in utah but uh i didn't realize until i saw your press release in the western hemisphere there are 330 hummingbird species isn't that crazy yeah nuts yeah 
Yeah. If you ever go to Cal- or California or southern Arizona, mm-hmm. it's kind of it's hard to keep up with how many species that you see. There's so many different variations, especially down further into Mexico and Central America. They're just they're everywhere. They're magnificent little creatures. And, you know, to have five, that's pretty good. The eastern U.S. only has one species. So we're lucky to have as many as we do here. So it's kind of fun. We're going to offer the opportunity for the public to see them at our banding demonstration um, on July 29th from 7 to 11. It's going to be at the Red Canyon Lodge, so easy for you to Google or look up on your map system. Um, it's, like I said, cooler cooler temperatures, great ability to look over the Flaming Gorge area. And, you know, it's something that you just don't get to do, especially in the western U.S. We don't offer that many hands-on opportunities like this for the public to come and participate in. And space is kind of limited, so we need people to sign up on our Eventbrite. Uh, that way we have the ability to you know, not overwhelm the birds, not overwhelm the biologists that will be doing the banding demonstration. Um, but we definitely need them to sign up, and we hope to see everybody up there. Yeah. So is it just the coloring that makes them different? Do they vary in size, or what is it between yeah. the different species? Yeah, variation in the size. The one that we're looking to capture, and that's why we do it at such a higher elevation, is the rufous hummingbird. They're like a neon copper penny, right? They're beautiful. Wow. Big red bulging uh, throats for the males and the females also have that copper colored but then you've got these tiny little calliope uh, hummingbirds that just have like a purple streak that they can flare out uh, when they're being territorial or when they're trying to ward off predators if they want to Um, and so it's kind of fun to watch them as you know they're very charismatic they're very dynamic the species don't necessarily love each other all the time and so they they <laughs> tend to fight and chase each other you know just like you and you and russ i mean just, you know, <laughs> yeah. they have well we're done with the chasing part of that <laughs> yeah. but uh well we're here i want to hit you. We'll, we'll throw things at each other once in a while yeah. um do, do they do they migrate like other birds do or no yes oh yeah they migrate thousands of miles and just like i said that calliope hummingbird can be clocked traveling up to 5,600 miles throughout a single year. And you have to think about that in a tiny little bird. Like, I mean, it's a tiny little thing moving such a long distance. They don't like the snow. You know, they mainly eat spiders and they nectar on those wonderful hummingbird feeders that we do put out, any of our native nectaring plants. And so uh, for a little bird to move that far, man, it's a long distance. And that's why when you are so kind as to put out your hummingbird feeder and we we don't love the red dye by the way the red dye feed that isn't necessarily the best it's like red gatorade right yeah not not dogging on gatorade because i drink it but uh we want to make sure that we're giving them something a little bit more natural more a little closer to what their natural food source is and so you can mix a one to four mixture of sugar water literally just sugar and water so cheap and so easy and fill your hummingbird feeders up with that. And it's way better than the red dye, too. So, so when you put that out there, you're helping fuel that little guy to go 5,600 yeah. miles. It's nuts. Yeah. Um, so it's not the red color that attracts them. It's just the fact that they find a sweet uh, treat there? They, they do love the red color, but oh. we don't necessarily need to feed them that artificial red color, okay, right? Okay, I got you. Because as long as you put a red feeder out there, they can see that. Yeah. And so they birds see, like, colors in weird, like, vibrances. 
And so, like, when they're hovering over a field of flowers, they can pick out the differences in the colors just by from what they're seeing. So that's why feed them in a red feeder, but you don't have to use the red dye food to feed them. You you mentioned so. that they will feed on spiders sometimes. Uh, that makes yeah. me wor- that makes me worried a little bit about um, you know sprays that we may put out to uh, defeat the spiders, yes. and, and then it makes yes. its way yes. to the hummingbirds, which is not good. Yes. Yes, 100%. It's very sad, actually. So we we try to ask people to be a little conscientious about the, the herbicides and the pesticides and the insecticides that they're putting out. I won't let... We, we do spray for some spiders around my house, but nowhere near my pollinator plant. Um, I don't want them having any interaction with my uh, pollinator plants, with my hummingbirds. And so, you know, they're a great little biological, you know, component to our, our world. And so... If you're using that, just be conscientious of what you're doing and how you're doing it, because we don't want to affect the, you know, they're one of their main food sources. They use those spiders for protein. And so mm. you want hummingbirds around your house to kind of help keep those spiders down. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's go through the timing of the. Oh, and by the way, uh, still one of the best attractors for us in the backyard are these big, beautiful hanging baskets that we yeah. have on our pergola. Yeah. <laughs> it, it works actually better than the uh, hummingbird feeder yeah. does. Yeah. So just having exactly. flowers out there makes a difference. Um, remind everybody again about this viewing opportunity. It is free, but space is limited. And explain yes. the Eventbrite uh, site. Yeah, so it's just E-V-E-N-T-B-R-I-T-E, eventbrite.com. You can type in hummingbird banding um, in a Red Canyon Lodge, and it will pop up. It's from 7 a.m. to 11 a.m. in our time slots. So like I said, we don't overwhelm the wonderful BLM and the Forest Service biologists that are certified to come out and put little bands on these birds and take swabs of the pollen uh, pollen nectar and stuff that's on their beak and test what we're seeing that they're eating. And so, you know, 7 to 11 next, as well, Saturday, July 29th. And, yeah, we just hope everybody gets up out of the really hot temperatures and comes and sees us. While you're there, bring a fishing pole. There's incredible fishing right there at the lodge. You can also go to the Red Canyon Overlook. I mean, there's so much to do up in that part of Daggett County. We'd love to see everybody there. Tanya, you're the boss. I'm not the boss. You're the boss. You You stop it. Thanks again. Thanks again for helping us out with this. That sounds like a great event. All right, we need a break. When we come back, we'll do a little road tripping with Bob and Mark and head to the high country. See if we can uh, cool you off a little bit with these tents this weekend. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Willie's back, and we are back on the road for another week. Do a little road tripping here. Road tripping with Bob and Mark. On the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. Can't wait to get on the road again. The video, by the way, that rolls with this on YouTube is Monument Valley. Would you want to be in Monument Valley this time of year? I've been down there this time of year. You know, just roll with it. You just move a little slower and make sure you got shade and water. Oh, my gosh. 
Uh, Becky and I were down in St. George last weekend, and uh, one of the first things I said to Bob Grove, who's on the line with us now, is how do you people live in this stuff down there? I'm glad we did it last week and not this week when you're going to be in the 110 to 114 range. That's why I'm coming up north. <laughs> as, what... as this show is on at this time, I am basking in mm. pond glory with Mark and his famous pond near Mona. Oh, very <laughs> nice. Uh, and Mark Wade is also with us. You said you escaped from the heat a couple of times just uh, getting up Nebo Loop or Nebo uh, Peak or something. Yeah, you can you can drive from where I live, just get on the backside of the mountain and drive up, and the road just continues to ascend up to over nine thousand feet. So it's a those are the kinds of drives that we think are great places to just get away from the seat. Yeah, Bob, let's start with you on where your go to spots for cooling off are. You already mentioned one, Cedar Breaks. Yeah, you know, so let's talk about that Cedar Breaks. You know, here in St. George, you just mentioned we're going to be in well into the triple digits. You don't have to drive far. I mean, Cedar City is, what, 35 miles from where I live, and then another 30 miles from there is Cedar Breaks. And you go from 111 to 72. Woo! Nice. So you don't have to go far. You get up, you know, I lived up there for three years, and and uh, it's funny. You get out of here, and you have to actually take a jacket with you. And I plan on going up there. We've got new moon coming up, and I want to go up there and shoot some Milky Way shots and uh, it's wildflower season the wildflower festival is currently going through the end of this weekend yeah i and what do they call it is it black canyon or the black mountains or something as you drop down into st george from cedar city it's amazing how much the temperature changes in that stretch yeah the black ridge it is that's generally where snow turns to rain if you're driving between cedar city and st george during the winter months yeah uh, we got away from some of the heat by just hitting the road, which is about a 24-mile road, uh, when we made the turn up to uh, Colob Reservoir and trimmed about 20 degrees off on our ride down there. Mark, uh, tell us about your favorite getaway in your backyard. Well, it's always good if you don't have to drive too far, right? And so uh, Nebo, I live close to Mount Nebo, and you can go on the backside of Mount Nebo and and get up over 9,000 feet. And one thing we should mention is that the flowers right now in July and August, they're going to be blooming at that those levels, uh, probably 9,000 feet above. Mm. If you want to get a, the kind of the multitude of flowers, the lupins, the sago lilies, which, of course, is the state flower, uh, columbine, and paintbrush, and so on. So get up into those higher elevations. You don't have to get out and hike too far to just step out into these meadows. And, and that's what we did this week. And not only that, I took my big long lens camera and I found a spot where three or four guys had their spotting scopes out and they were spotting black bear, uh, the mountain mountain sheep, the big horns, and they were spotting the, the goats, mm. the big white mountain goats. And, and, and so I joined them with my big long lens camera and we had a grand old time just looking at, at wildlife while my wife was out picking flowers. It was great. <laughs> What a great idea. Uh, I should mention this, and you guys wouldn't have heard this, obviously, but we were talking with Andrea Huskinson up at uh, Alta. The Wildflower Festival is right around the corner, and they said they're running a month behind uh, the peak of the wildflower season simply because they've still got snow on the ground in some of those places. It's very true. You know, the Wildflower Festival is going on as Cedar Breaks right now through the weekend, but yet it's early. Earlier than normal, the wildflowers will actually be uh, coming out a little bit later this year. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, and 
Mark, you mentioned, and I'll just add to that uh, a little bit, of, that you don't have to be going to make a hike if you you know say, well, I'm not really a hiker. A lot of these things you can enjoy and see right from your car, so uh, make these drives is fantastic. Finding water to cool off is a good idea, although when we rode the motorcycles on that back road, I, I don't remember what they call it, the West Pass or something. Along that, the down in St. George. Oh, okay. That yeah. takes you past uh Sand Hollow. I didn't see anything cool about that water. <laughs> it looked like it was a hot stay down there, but finding water is a good idea, Bob. Yeah, I mean, we've got it all over the state. We're very blessed with a lot of places with yeah. water, you know, from the north at Bear Lake up to what is that? The Caribbean of the West? Yeah. Or the Mediterranean, what is it? The Caribbean or the, Med- Caribbean, yes, the Caribbean of the West, yeah. right? Yeah, the the blue water and all the way down here into the southwest tip of the state with Sand Hollow, Gunlock, and Quail Creek, which are all great state parks. Uh, but one thing I have heard about Sand Hollow you got to be concerned concerned about a little bit or at least aware of is the swimmer's itch because there's been reports of swimmer's itch there. and uh, You don't want to go home with that. Yeah. So be aware of that. Yeah. Uh, and, Mark, you mentioned, too, that uh, getting out boating, swimming, you, you might even be able to do it at home if you just put a nice little wading pool in the backyard. <laughs> Well, a lot of people love to get to these splash pads now with their kids, and and those are fun, and there's a lot of local pools. And then there's a lot of ponds and and lakes nearby. Everything seems to be quite full. Even Mona Reservoir, which dries up at the end of the summer, is chock full right now. And I saw some people out with their jet skis out on Mona Reservoir the other day. So you're going to find some places nearby that you can get out and do the water sports. We're going to take Bob out kayaking on the pond here this weekend, and and let him see some of those big birds that like to hang out on the ponds. Is he going to be in his own kayak, not yours, I hope? <laughs> he's going to have his own or a paddleboard. We'll see. But okay. one way or another, he's going to end up in the water. All right. Otherwise, you both end up in the water. <laughs> Don't yeah. Be careful with the uh, kayak itch. <laughs> That's when oh, you're, scra- you're scratching your head wondering why you're out there in a kayak. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. that makes sense. All right, go. Oh, yeah, well, let me ma- let me ma- mention really quick now Lake Powell. Yeah, Lake oh, yeah. Powell is awesome. The water is great. It's yeah. up. You can go. Out. I mean, it's it's like full operation right now. Look, we're going to have Ray Golden from uh, North Lake Powell on the show sometime in the near future and talk about how great it is. But right now. It's all good. Yeah, well, we want to make that trip with you to go down and uh, record some segments with Ray. I know we've been talking about that, and you'll give me a hassle about not doing it yet, but we will at some point. Go road tripping with BobandMark.com. Guys, thank you. We'll take a break for news on the half hour. Davey Ratchford, Snow Basin. There's a good idea for beating the heat coming up next. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.